Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. you think I'm preaching the same message that I preached last week, but I'm stirred to go back into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and begin there as we move forward through some of chapter 5 this morning, continuing this word of comfort. So we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, under this thought that the, of the comfort of Christ's coming. How many knows that he's coming again? Amen. And there's going to be some events that take place to usher in his, his return, to usher in the rapture of the church. And some of those events are happening right now in the end times. We still can't put a date or a time for the rapture of the church. We're never going to be able to do that. But our call is to be ready. And what should we do in this time of being ready is to also be ready to witness to those who are not ready. And so... Not being alarmed, but being disturbed. It's not easy to see innocent people taken captive. Our hearts are never glad for that. But our hearts are stirred because when things are happening in Israel, we know that that God is is about to do something. He's about to call his church home. So we have to be ready for it. And Paul addresses this under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the early church just to be ready. Now, we know that was over 2,000 years ago, but this was what was written because there is a time. And Paul even addresses, if you hear someone say the rapture already took place, don't listen to that. We'll know. We'll be in heaven, okay? <laughs> be ready. Be on guard. And so we have to go back to this word of comfort because it comforts us. When there are rumors of wars and wars and and famines and all different things taking place, we can have comfort knowing that Christ is going to return. And this is why Paul writes this to the the church at Thessalonica. And remember, he's writing to a Gentile congregation. This, This wasn't Jewish people. These are one that were grafted in. They got saved under the missionary journeys of of Paul going out. And and he's writing this letter probably from Corinth reflecting back. And and, and we talked about this last week. But he's writing to a a people to be ready. And there's going to be some important verses that we cover today in this this message. So I left you some space for some notes. Not a lot. Some of you take a lot of notes. Some of of you are just sucking it in and soaking it in. It is. And and, uh, I meant to say soaking it in. And uh, taking it in this morning, but be ready to hear what God has to say to us. Paul says this, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your sorrows and others have no hope. He's saying there, there are going to be some who die in the faith. And I don't want you to lose hope because you saw some that are holding on and, and you saw some of them. And these, this is talking about even some that were taken and, and, and martyred and, and, and they're like, what is going on? There's persecution against the church. Don't lose hope. I don't want you to be ignorant of what's happening to them. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many can say a big amen right there? We believe that he died and rose again. This is what Paul's reminding the, to, to the people he's writing this to. You heard us tell you that Jesus died and rose again. And if you believe it, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. I mean, Jesus is going to step out on the, on the cloud again. He's going to step out to call his church home. He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. He's given us a layout. Here's how it's going to happen. You're like, you preached on this last week. Get ready. <laughs> I'm ready for his return. Amen comforting one another with these words for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain say we who are alive and remain we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words. I want to give you words of comfort this morning. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have gone through in life, no matter what you may face tomorrow, keep your hope in Jesus Christ because there is going to be a rapture of the church. There is going to be a quickening of those who are alive in Jesus Christ to be taken up into the air. The dead in Christ will rise first, the ones who've already gone before us. But those who are remaining on earth, there will be a church on the earth that will be raptured. There will be a day where the churches will be empty, not because they're not coming in on Sunday morning, but because the saints have gone to be in heaven. That's when I want to miss church, is when we're with the body of Christ in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we say this to, to encourage one another, to comfort one another. And then we talked a little bit last week in Acts chapter 1. This is all in the same context of what Jesus is saying to us, to the church, right before he ascended to heaven. Go to Acts chapter 1 verse 4. I'm backing up a couple of verses that I did last week. Keep with me. This is talking about concerning the times and the seasons. And being assembled together with them, this is his disciples with Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is right before his ascension. This is after his resurrection. He was already buried. He was, he was crucified. He was buried. And he rose again on that third day. How many believes that? Right? Isn't that what Paul just said? If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again. If you believe in that, hold on. Because he said he was going to do that, and he's also going to do this. He's coming again looking for his church. He said... Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you've heard from me. Wait for the promise. John baptized in water. That was John's ministry. It was a, an act of repentance. And again, when John was baptizing people, it was before Jesus died on the cross. It was already an act of people saying, I'm consecrating myself to God. They weren't consecrating themselves to Jesus. Jesus was just coming on the scene, right? Jesus, or John was a forerunner of Jesus. And Jesus showed up to be baptized. This was an act they were already doing, signifying, I want a life that is separate from this world. I want this cleansing to take place in my life so I can serve God fully. That's what they were saying. 
So the New Testament church just picked up on that thought. Now we are not just being saying we want to be cleansed. We recognize we are dead in Jesus Christ. And, and we're being raised again from the dead, a new creation in him, a, a new creature in him, a, that we have new life in him. Don't you see the symbolism there? They didn't come up with this in the New Testament church. The Jewish people were already doing this. It was a, this was an act of cleansing. Symbolizing we want to be different. And this is what Jesus is saying. John already baptized you in water, but I have something greater for you. And if you look at the words of Christ, it says, I must go away. It's expedient for me to go away. It's important that I go away because I'm going to send to you another comforter. One who's going to be with all of you and be in you, who's going to baptize you who's going to immerse you with power so you can be witnesses to me. you got to hear the context. John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have to declare, this was not just for the New Testament church in the book of Acts for 30 years or 50 years or 100 years. This outpouring is for the church who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. He pours out his spirit on all flesh. He wants his sons and daughters to prophesy. He wants the young men to have vision, old men dream dreams. He wants to pour out his spirit afresh in these last days. He wants us to work in, in words of knowledge, words of wisdom. He wants to see miracles take place. Uh, he wants to see messages of tongues be given. He wants to see prophecy given to the church that declares that Jesus Christ, because we know that the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus Christ. So we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we have to stay in the context. Why did Jesus want us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Look at what he's saying. John baptized you in water. To signify a cleansing, that you're separate from the world. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Here's where we see it. We've been talking about last week. I'm going to baptize you in the Spirit. Verse 6, say right here. For when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time? See, they, they got off track for a second. John baptized you with water. I'm going to baptize you with the Spirit. Dude, okay, that's, that's pretty good, God. Jesus, uh, is this a time you're going to restore the kingdom? I, could, I, I don't know what mannerisms Jesus had. I don't know if he ever slapped his head or did one of these numbers. or All of us have tells, but he's saying, Jesus, he says, John baptized you with water, but I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That sounds good. Is this a time that you're going to restore the kingdom? John baptized you in water, but not too many days from now, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So what about the time of the kingdom? Is that, let me go on, he says, don't worry. It's not for you to know the time of the kingdom. Verse 7. He said, It's not for you to know this time or seasons which your father has put in his own authority. You're, you're, you're looking at it the wrong thing. You're trying to figure everything out. I've got something greater for you than figuring everything out. Follow me. Going back to decide, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. He, Jesus was always about changing people. Changing people will change the culture. 
You can't do it the other way around. You can't hope to change the culture and impact the people. It's the people that, dedicate, that, that determines the culture. we got to change the hearts of the people to follow after Christ. He's saying, you don't need to know for this time or season which the Father has put in his own authority. But, verse 8, but you shall receive the power. See, he went back to it. A lot of times we, we look at this passage, we just go to verse 8. we got to look, Jesus already said it once, and, then he, and, he, and he came back to it again. But you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about the time and the season. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that we don't care what's going on, but I want to care for the people who are going to miss out on heaven if they don't have their life changed because they they don't understand what's going on. They didn't know that Jesus Christ was buried. Uh, He was crucified for us. He rose again from the dead, uh, and now he's making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father, saying, I've prepared a place for you. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you so. There's a place prepared for us for eternity, and we have to keep our eyes on Jesus but receive the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses how many wants to be witnesses for Jesus Christ now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this all flows together remember we was reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 Paul writes this this is Way after Jesus ascended to heaven, this is after Acts 1-8, but he's talking to them about Jesus coming again. Now remember, at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, what also do we see right after this? We see that Jesus ascended to heaven, right? And the angels stood there and they looked down and they're like, what are you all gazing up here like that for? The same way that Jesus left, he is going to Come back again. He's going to return. Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling this church that wasn't there on the scene in Acts chapter 1. They're in Thessalonica. They're in a different location, but they're hearing the, the story of the gospel. They receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he wants to encourage them because some of their brothers and sisters have died in the faith. And they're wondering, why is this happening? We thought Christ was supposed to return. And he wanted to give them words of comfort. Like, listen, even though they died, they're not lost. Because those who've already gave their heart to Jesus are going to rise first. And then those who remain, we're going to be meeting them in the air. Amen? And Paul's encouraging him this. But then he goes into this, chapter 5. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. You've been taught some things. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Interesting language. But what Paul is trying to say is that it, Christ is going to return when he's not expected. But for the church, we're always expecting, right? <laughs> that, that, that's the other side of this is what Paul is saying. He's not going to tell you the day before, I'm coming tomorrow. How many knows if that really happened, Jesus, I'm coming tomorrow, and it happened on a Saturday night, every church would be busting out the seams, the parking lots couldn't hold all the cars. But Jesus doesn't want us to follow him that way. 
We follow him in faith that I've surrendered my heart today and I'm going to follow you tomorrow and the day after because Jesus says, those who follow me, you pick up your cross and crucify your flesh daily, right? Doesn't it make sense? Uh, I know you're like, you keep going to the same verses because this is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. This is how we stay on course. Uh, and this is bringing it back home. We're praying for our prodigals and what happened in our prodigals' lives. They forgot to pick up the cross one day. Then the next day they picked it up, and the day after that they didn't pick it up. Christ wants to give us the power, and we're able to pick up our cross every day, crucifying this flesh every day. We're able to submit to God every day because we have to be ready because it would be real easy, especially for the prodigals who know the word who know that Christ is going to come again, if, like, if you'll give me a warning, then I'll come back. If I know what day he's going to come back, then i got a little bit of time, then I'll show back up. That would be the easy way out, right? Now, I'm praying for our prodigals. That's why this message is so urgent for us in our times of prayer. Because we don't know how much time. Christ's return is like a thief in the night. He's not giving us. There's signs and wonders. There's happenings. We know there's signs of the times. We know it can be at any moment. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. At any moment, he can return. How many believes that? This is why Paul, under the Holy Spirit, says, but concerning the times and seasons, I, I don't have to write to you about that. For you know the self that the day of the Lord can come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. He's talking about when, the, when Christ returns. And, and, and this description of the end times is, is like a, a woman who, who is pregnant. You don't conceive and have a baby the next day. There's a process of time. We know this, uh, it's usually about nine months. And, and I imagine if we survey the women in this room, some of them have been surprised that they didn't go the complete nine months. Wait, the baby's coming early. What? No, no. The baby's supposed to come on this day. That's a few weeks. Of, nope. Didn't you feel the pains? Yeah, they start up really fast here just a little bit. And that's what the description is. We don't know, and sometimes it's longer, right? I mean, some, some lady's going to say, I was due here, but it didn't happen for a little bit longer because there's a season. And Christ is saying to the church, I'm coming back, but I'm not telling you the day, I'm not telling you the time, but I'm coming for those who are already ready and expecting and following me. This is a church that has said, I'm ready for you. They, 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 they yell out what John is saying. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And I know we're torn with that because we want to see our, our baby saved, but we're ready to go to heaven. There's this, there's this dynamic, this pulling, the stress is happening, but we still pray at the end of the day, God, we're ready for your son to come back. We're ready for the rapture of the church. We have to be ready, church. So he's talking to one, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be some, they're, 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 they're going to see destruction because they're not ready. But then he says in verse 4, but you, it keeps changing the scene. Those who are not ready, it's going to be like destruction, it's going to be terrible. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. How many is glad that you know Jesus Christ this morning? 
you're not going to be surprised by the rapture and missing it. You're going to get the surprise of being in heaven when your eyes open up and the twinkling of an eye is like, whoa, I was just here. Now I'm in heaven. I don't know what that's going to be like. I can't wait to that happen, but it's going to happen. I, I got to keep saying it's going to happen. There's going to be a day. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen while we're sleeping. I hope it doesn't happen when I sleep. I hope I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden I'm taken up. I, 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 don't, I, just, I hope it happens uh, in a way of just like, whoa, I, I was just doing this, and now I'm here in the presence of, of the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it happened during a worship setting uh, that we were just translated from here to, to heaven? But we're not going to know the time or the day, but it's going to happen. We've got to be ready. But your brethren are not taken in this darkness so that the, Lord should, the day of the Lord should overtake you. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Do you hear the message? And this message is just as much and even more relevant for us right now in the day that we're in. We have to be watchful. We have to be ready. That's why the urgency of witnessing and evangelizing and, and continuing to praying for our, our prodigals, it has to be urgent on our heart. Because the Lord is coming again. And those who are watching online and maybe you've grown up in church and not at church right now and you hear this message somehow. I've never done this before, but I'm pleading with you. Open your heart to Jesus. Open your heart to Jesus. What we're reading is not myths and fairy tales. This is the word of God. Some of you need to share this message with your loved ones. Grab the link when we put it out there for YouTube. Share it with them. Tell them you need to hear this message. God is knocking at your heart's door right now. He's given you another chance. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss what God is doing. There's a stirring. Be ready. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Yeah, Paul picks up these terms in, in Ephesians chapter 6, the, the armor of God. Isn't this amazing? Linda, we, Linda and I were just talking earlier this week and, and uh, they created a new countdown for, uh, for the children's church and, and it's about the armor of God. It's a simple song to tell them to put on the armor of God. How many knows we need to teach our kids right now at this age to put on the armor of God? They need to have the helmet of salvation. They need to have the sword of faith, amen? They need to have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. I mean, we need to, they need to have the armor of God. In this world that we're in and what they're facing and what they're being taught, they need to have the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, protecting their minds from what the enemy is trying to sow in. That's why this is so important. It's why we can't take it lightly, the message of Jesus Christ. I, I'm not coming to give you three points of how to have a, a better life. I'm telling you right now, we've got to preach the gospel of Jesus. We've got to be his light. He's wanting us to grow in him. 
that our light is shining so bright because that he is in us. We're in a dark world. We're in a world that is lost and undone. And if they don't give their heart to Jesus, their destiny is hell. Not, there's not one person that you would wish to go to hell. So we have to be the light of Christ in everything that we do. As the believers, we have an opportunity to, show, to, to sow the, the seed of faith in someone's life, to give them the gospel in everything that we do. And so I'm going to make it real. We've got to get outside these walls, right? You, we hear that all the time. I love coming to church and worshiping. But there's got to be times we've got to connect with people outside. Christmas is coming soon. Buy a tree, change a life. We're going to do that. We need people full of light on our parking lot, full of joy, full of life. Even though they're shivering, they're smiling. I'm here. <laughs> because when people come in hopeless, and we have already had the testimonies of, of people just beginning to share despair. And we have prayed with them. You have prayed with them. And, and, and sowing in seeds of hope. And we're praying, Lord, let it not just be an encounter on the parking lot, but let them have an encounter with you where they'll surrender their life and come and be a part of a, of a family that will love on them because if they don't have their life changed, they're not going to make it to heaven. And that's what it's all about. Everything we do is to point Jesus to Christ, right? What's our mission? To connect people to God and to the family of God, to be no, known, noticed, and loved. Yes. So everything that we're doing is targeting that. Because we want to connect people to God because we know that Jesus Christ is coming back again. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. This is where we're getting in some of the verses that we talk about with the rapture of the church. God didn't, he's not destined in the church to go through the tribulation. This is where we stand. We, we, are a, we believe in the pre-tribulation of the church. God doesn't want the church to go through. And, and, and this is where it gets a little bit deeper. The church, the, the body of Christ, this Gentile church has been grafted in. There are going to be Jewish people that's going through tribulation because they missed out on who Jesus was. They didn't call on him as Messiah. Now, there are Jewish Christians, okay? You can't get the too conflated and messed up. But, but there are there, the Christians, those who call on the name of the Lord, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. You're a part of the church that's going to be raptured on that day. Because God doesn't want the church to go through this appointed time of wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we, we, that we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Here we go again, verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Yes. Continuing the word of comfort. Yes. So let's do the Bible. Are you ready? This week, read Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 through 13, and then compare that to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And here's what you have. If you look at Revelation the beginning here, this chapter especially, these are letters 
that John is writing an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is, is there. Actually, John is in the, in the heavens, and, and, and Jesus is telling John what to write. Let me say it right here. John is, is being inspired in heaven to write this revelation. Here's a letter to the churches. And he lists seven churches, and, 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 and there's something about each one. The church here in Revelation 3, 7 through 13 is the church of Philadelphia. They were a church that God said, there's good things that you're doing. So I want you to look at that. He's, he's encouraging. But then as you follow the next church, the Laodicea church, that's a church that we find that is not hot or cold, but lukewarm. You've got to compare the two passages. And I want to be on the church that's like the Philadelphia church. I, I want to have the good words. He's telling them, encouraging them to hold on. Now I want you to pray this. Holy Spirit, strengthen us to be faithful in the times and seasons we are facing until the rapture of the church. We desire to be hot or cold and definitely not lukewarm. I'll save the message later on about being hot or cold. Hot is good, cold is good. We've got to be on the extreme of one side, either on fire for God, and don't say on cold for God, but on fire for God in this way, or on fire for God this way, this is not good or bad, this is not bad. Lukewarm is what's bad. Lukewarm is, is where we hear the scripture say, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I don't want to be a lukewarm church. I, I know we've changed church over the, over the years. We're not doing church like they did church in the New Testament. Things change. We get that. But we've got to understand this. The purpose and the reason that we come is to worship God, hear his word, be ministered to if we need to be ministered to, minister to someone who needs to be ministered to, but ready to see lives change and transform, to see salvation take place. But we're here to magnify God. I've come with a purpose. Every Sunday, we've got to come with a purpose. And we try to direct that. Yeah, we have a, a, a countdown before church starts. Why? That way we just know when to start. Isn't it good just to know when to start? We don't have to guess at it. And, and so we're, we're doing that against all in place. But here's my thing. Even this morning, the pre-service music, I, I went out. I, I made a, another video for the countdown. I used part of a countdown, added a song to it. And, 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 and something happens when I call your name. I wanted you to get excited before the first song that we ever sing. I'm already in the mood to worship Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Something happens when I call your name. So, yeah, we do another two-minute countdown. We want a fellowship. It's part of being known, notice, and love. But when that two minutes is over, I want to run back to my seat. If I'm able to get back to my seat, I'm praying for another piano player to come in so I can run back to my seat. And I want to wor I'm ready to worship God. So you have permission if somebody's shake, talking to you and you're like, hey, it's time up. I will catch this later on. Go ahead and cut them off in the nicest way you can and say, we're going to worship God right now. And I want to press in. Because two things are happening. When we're magnifying God with our praises, we're saying, God, I surrender all you. The, the atmosphere changes. That's why I don't like starting and stopping, starting and stopping. But it's just kind of the flow that we have as churches. Because my purpose is to worship him. 
and let the atmosphere change because it's in that atmosphere when God, when we're sensing God's presence in such a real way that the unbeliever begins to feel something different. The unbeliever begins to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and know I need to make a change. But you know what sets that atmosphere? It's the worshipers of Jesus Christ. It's us coming in prepared to give him all the praise, to surrender before him, to bow down before him. The unbeliever doesn't know what to do, but we want them to begin to feel the presence of God and it's through our praise and worship. We're honoring him and we're setting the atmosphere for God to move. Miracles take place in that atmosphere. There's some in this room that needs a miracle of God, a, a physical healing, an emotional healing, a, a whatever that needs to be. And God is able to move in the moment when the atmosphere has been changed and the atmosphere has been set because of our praises. It was because we've come in. We've come in as believers saying, I believe the word of God that you can come anytime, Jesus, uh, and to call your church the rapture of the church. And, and this may just be my last time to have praise and worship time with my, uh, my fellow believers, uh, with my church. And so when I come in these doors, uh, this could be the very day. So I'm going to give my very best. Uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm praying, Lord, that you come this even this very hour and that we just, uh, we just move this worship to the other place of worship. Uh, I want to be so excited about what God is doing in, in our life. I know we go through some hard times. I know we have some hard moments in the week, but I'm praying and I'm encouraging you on this Sunday mornings uh, to get up or anytime we're, we're, we're meeting, get in with a, with a full heart, lay it all down to the side, give God the praise that he deserves and let the atmosphere be changed because he is coming back for a church that is looking for him. And there's going to be people that's going to flood in this room uh, that need Jesus Christ uh, and that they need salvation. And it's because of our prayers, we're praying them in. It's because of our witness and our evangelism that they're going to hear the gospel and God's going to change them and they're going to be a part of the church that we are that's going to be raptured. Amen? Amen? So pray this with me. Say it out loud. Holy Spirit, strengthen us to stay faithful in the times and seasons we are facing until the rapture of the church. We desire to be hot or cold and definitely, say it again, and definitely, one more time, and definitely not lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, listen. Because you have kept my commandments. This is Jesus talking to the church. The Philadelphia, the ones who are faithful. I will also keep you from the hour of trial. It's the beginning of that tribulation time. Because you have kept my commands. I'm preserving you. I'm keeping you. And I'm going to allow you to escape. I'm going to bring you out of that hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that, you, that no one may take your crown as our praise team comes back. Revelation chapter 4. This is what we're looking forward to. Jesus gives us this promise that verse three, chapter 3, verse 10, that's one of those verses that, that those who are on the side of pre-tribulation says that God is going to spare those, the church, called on his name from the tribulation. We're going to be raptured before this because if you get into it, and this is so much to talk about, but when you get into uh, Matthew 24 and you hear about the, the abomination of desolation, the church is raptured at that point because 
that is a sign when Jesus says, when you see this take place, he's telling the the Jews, begin to flee. Well, if the rapture is going to take place after that, then it's really easy to tell everybody, hey, the abomination of desolation took place. Get ready, church, because the rapture is following. But Jesus already declared, and Paul declared it for Jesus, I'm coming as a thief in the night. You can't, you got to be ready. So I'm not going to give you a warning ahead of time. Does that make sense? Everybody following what, what our heart is here? Be ready. Be ready. Because this is what's going to happen. Immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. How many love seeing a picture of heaven? And one set on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. And they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Will you stand for these last verses? Whenever the living creatures give glory in honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy Oh Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I'm going to read these last two verses again. I'm going to invite you as I'm reading to fill this place as worshipers before what we're going to say the throne room of God right now, we're going to experience. But I want you to fill this place. The 24 elders, they fall down. You begin to come who sit at the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Heavenly Father, we're gonna press in right now. We're gonna press in right now and we're going to lift up our voices in praise and adoration, and we're going to shout, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're going to worship you, we pray. Let the presence of your, of your, let your presence just begin to fill this place on the wings of our praise. Right now, whatever need that you have is able to be touched in the throne room of God. Whatever need you have right now, any burden can can be lifted, any bondage can be set free, any healing can take place in the presence of the Lord because, Lord, we're experiencing a taste and a touch of heaven right now, this very moment. We yield to you, O God. 
We lift up your name above all other names. Lord, this is not just a, a, a time that, that we're wanting to, uh, things to happen our own way. We want you to have control of this moment. Lord, you have a plan, you have a purpose, and we yield to you, but we're going to declare you are holy. Say this with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of mine. Say it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of mine. Don't have any reservations today. Just give, your, give God all the praise that you can for these next few moments. Glorious flame. 